Hi there, Rachel here. If you're listening to this episode in May of 2024, I have some big news. After selling out during the holiday season, my Flex of Gold journal is available for pre-order right now and will be shipping to your home by the end of June. To celebrate, we're running an amazing pre-order sale for Mother's Day. Purchase the journal before May 13th and you'll get $10 off every journal. This is our best price of the year, even better than Black Friday, so it's the perfect time to stock up for gifts for family and friends. This three-year journal helps mothers to notice, savor, and write down the fleeting golden moments that they experience with their children each day. So go to 3in30podcast.com slash flexofgold to reserve your copy, and you'll also see our brand new cover colors, as well as our new cover option, which is a wipeable vegan leather. So again, go to 3in30podcast.com slash flexofgold to pre-order your journal, and from now until Mother's Day 2024, they'll be marked down by $10 each. I can't wait for you to experience the magic of this beautiful gratitude journal for mothers. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 184, Living Well with Depression and Anxiety. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Happy Monday, my friends. Today is one of my favorite days of the year because it is my birthday. And I love any reason to celebrate and eat cake and be with the people I love. And that includes all of you. I am so happy to get to be with you today on my birthday, talking about a topic that is so important to me taking care of ourselves when we are going through anxiety or depression. Now, I know that feels like a heavy topic for a birthday celebration, but honestly, this conversation that I had with our guest, Jenny Showalter, felt like a gift to my soul. When I finished talking to her, I felt so much peace, and I am grateful that I get to share it with all of you today as my birthday gift to you. I hope it gives you strength and hope and tools if you yourself are struggling with depression or anxiety right now, and I hope it gives you empathy and perspective if you're someone who does not live with mental illness. It's my dearest hope that these discussions about mental health on 3 and 30 will bring peace and relief to a mom who needs it and open up larger conversations about how we can support each other better throughout our communities. Our guest today, Jenny, is a mother of two who lives in Maryland. She loves creating cakes, taking long walks, reading, and crafting. She says she struggled with anxiety her whole life and depression for a good part of her life, especially after developing postpartum depression. She wants to share some of the ways she's learned to live well while managing mental illness. Before we jump into my conversation with her, I want to thank our two May sponsors who have made our series for Mental Health Awareness Month possible, BetterHelp and Jane.com. First off, let's talk about BetterHelp, the world's largest provider of therapy, done 100% online. BetterHelp works with a network of thousands of licensed professional counselors with a wide variety of expertise across the nation, so whatever your needs are, they can match you with a therapist who can help. All you have to do is go to betterhelp.com slash 3 and 30 and fill out a questionnaire about your needs, and you can be meeting with someone via phone, video conference, or even text message within 48 hours. And if for some reason the counselor they match you with doesn't end up being a great fit for you, which happens sometimes with therapy, as you will hear in today's episode, we talk a little bit about that. 
you can request a change through customer service with no charge and no awkward conversation with the counselor needed. So if you could use some extra emotional support right now, don't hesitate to join the over 1 million people who have gotten counseling through BetterHelp and get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash 3 and 30. That's betterhelp.com slash 3 and 30. Our second sponsor this month is Jane.com, an online boutique marketplace with over 400 new deals every day on beautiful clothing, home decor, and more for the whole family. I was so excited to hear from a mom in the 3 and 30 community who has sold her handmade products via Jane for several years and has had a great experience. Jane.com is a great way for small shops like hers to get the word out about their products to a bigger audience. This mom told me that Jane has a selective application process for their sellers to ensure that everything that is showcased on their site is good quality and on trend. She was also thrilled to get some mentoring and training from them on how to price her products, grow her reach, and make more money for her family. It makes me super happy to think that by shopping at Jane.com, I'm supporting small businesses, possibly even 3 and 30 listeners. And speaking of, if you are a listener who has experience with selling products through Jane, I would love to hear from you about your experience. It's always important to me that I have a personal connection with the brands who sponsor the show. To get started shopping with Jane.com, you can check out the page of deals that I chose just for this community by going to Jane.com slash 3 and 30. That's jane.com slash three and 30. And now onto the show. This is episode 184, Living Well with Depression and Anxiety. Jenny, welcome to three and 30. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for reaching out to me and being willing to talk about this really personal, vulnerable topic. I know in the emails that we exchanged, you mentioned to me that this is really outside your comfort zone. You're not the type to seek the opportunity to speak to a large audience, particularly about this topic. And so we're just really grateful to you for having the courage to do it. And why are you willing to go outside your comfort zone to record this episode? Why are you so passionate about this? So I know it can be so difficult to talk about mental illness. I've definitely had some less than great experiences trying to talk with people about it. But I really want people to feel seen and to know this is not just in your head. It's real. And there are ways to get help. I definitely have felt alone through a lot of my experience with mental illness. And if I can help someone feel a little less alone, a little more seen, I would love to be able to do that. I definitely don't have it all figured out either. I'm in the mental health trenches on a daily basis. I still have incredibly hard days and moments. But I also have a toolbox now that helps me to manage and to live life, not just to exist. Hmm. And so I want to share some of what's in that toolbox. It's not a magic cure. It won't fix everything. But I hope it offers some helpful ideas and thoughts that can help somebody. Well, thank you. That is so powerful. I think it was Brene Brown that said that so often we're willing to speak from our scars, but not our wounds. We don't Mm -hmm. share while we're in it with pain. We usually share after, which is a safer place to share from in a way, because it's like nobody has to worry about me anymore because I'm actually past that. Yeah. But here are some tools I learned versus sharing when you're in it feels really vulnerable. I know that's the word I keep using, but that's just the only way I can think to describe it. So thank you for being willing and for giving moms out there hope who are in it too every day and that they can do more than just exist, like you said, with some of these tools. And 
you know, honestly, I'm in it every day too. My mental health journey, it ebbs and flows. I feel like I've been in a pretty good place the last little while with it, but I think it's an illness that you live with your whole life. And one of the things is I feel a lot of fear sometimes about like my next low, you know, I'm like, I'm doing good right now, but then there's always this like lingering fear of what happens the next time that I'm in it. And will I be able to pull myself out. And when you've been there and you know how dark and painful it can be, it's scary to think about ever being there again. You yeah. know? So yeah. wherever anybody is on their journey, we hope that this episode will give you hope and tools that you can rely on either right now, or if you need them in the future, or that you can pass along to another mom who you know is struggling right now. And Jenny, why don't you just start us in with your first takeaway? Okay. My first takeaway is to give yourself credit. Living with mental illness is so exhausting. You wake up carrying a load and fighting a battle before you even get out of bed. Mm. And so that makes it really hard to do anything. And it can be really hard to see what you actually are doing because of lies that depression and anxiety tell you or whatever other mental illness you're dealing with. So give yourself credit for whatever you do in the day. When you're in a really low part of depression, Maybe you write down three things, and your three things are, I got out of bed, I ate something, and I looked outside. Like mm-hmm. Those are three things that, you know, they seem really simple when you're in a good mental health condition, but when you're in a low, that can be really hard to do. Mm-hmm. But other days, maybe your lists are, I did some exercise, I went grocery shopping, I helped my kids with homework, and writing down those things that you did do is really helpful to combat feelings of, but I didn't do all these other things that I feel like I should have done. But what you did is valid and it counts no matter what you didn't do. And no matter how what you did may not seem like it was up to your expectations or perfect enough. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is so powerful. Dr. Julie Hanks says, I know I've shared this on the podcast before, but it's worth repeating to make a to-do list instead of a to-do list. Yeah. I love that. I love that little play on words. Why are we so productivity obsessed in our culture that we make all these to-do lists and it never seems like enough? And why don't we start making some to-do lists and look back on our days and say, I accomplished some things that mattered. Even if I was sick today, physically or mentally, and I stayed in bed most of the day, I still had that conversation with my child, you know, after school, or I still texted with a friend. I, whatever it is, I ate a meal. I looked out the window. I love those simple things that you mentioned. And I have found when I'm in my lows that I do hear a lot of chatter and a lot of lies about myself not being worthwhile or not accomplishing anything. And it's very powerful for me to actually write out the things that I did because it's evidence that refutes the lie. Yeah. Because sometimes just saying to myself, like, you're valuable just as you are, or you're getting more (laughs) done than you think. Like, it feels kind of warm and fuzzy until I actually make it concrete and list out and look at it and say, I did do some important things today, even if it wasn't as much as I could have accomplished when I'm in a really good place mentally. What I did today counts. And in your outline, you shared kind of a metaphor of life being like a hike. Mm -hmm. Can you share that with the listeners as well? Yeah. So the metaphor is life is like walking a path or climbing a mountain and each person on the path has a backpack on. So everyone is carrying a load before you even start walking for the day. Mm -hmm. 
someone without major illness isn't carrying as heavy of a load as someone with mental illness or any other illness. So someone with a lighter load can climb a lot in one day, but someone with mental illness like anxiety or depression is carrying a huge load already. Say you have 100% effort to give every day, anxiety and depression can take a lot of that effort, maybe 50% every day. And sometimes it's less, some days it's more. So you're not going to be able to walk as far as the person with a lighter load. I think it's really important to remember that your efforts don't always show up in results. Yeah. And what speaks to me in that metaphor is that what's difficult about having an illness, either physical or mental, is that you don't know what your load will be on any given day. Right. And that yeah. is really hard. <laughs> it's so hard. If you always knew that you were going to have this heavier load than others, but it was the same every day, you'd kind of be able to come up with some coping strategies for that load. But when your load varies wildly and you don't know when you go to bed the night before yeah. what your load is going to feel like when you wake up in the morning, that in and of itself is so emotionally difficult and draining yeah, to deal with so the hard. variable load and readjusting your expectations and being okay with it. And sometimes you get these tastes of a day without an extra load. You have like these really great days or seasons mm-hmm. and you think, oh my gosh, this is what everybody else in the world experiences every day. And then you can kind of feel jealous. Right. Yeah. And then the load comes back and you're back, you know, in your bed again. And so- right. I think just giving yourself credit that the load is heavier than it is for others and that it will vary and that's okay and you may have to adjust. It's so much easier said than done, but there's a lot of freedom in just acknowledging and giving yourself credit for that extra burden that you're carrying around with you. Yeah. And that can help you adjust expectations. For example, meal planning. I tried to have a very strict meal plan. This is what we're doing for the whole week. And now I've learned to just come up with a few possible meals that could work and then to work it in whatever day I feel up to making this more elaborate meal. That's great. Another day we need to be very simple. Mm. So as you live with mental illness, give yourself lots of room to experiment what works for you. And it doesn't have to look like what anyone else is doing. Meal planning is great for those that it serves, but it may not serve you. Yeah. And I even love the idea of having a variable plan already in mind for like, okay, if I wake up on any given day and the load is crushing, then our go-to dinner on those days will be to order pizza or our Mm -hmm. go-to dinner will be cereal. Right. You know, and, and knowing in advance, maybe when you're in a good place to make a plan for when you're not so that it doesn't feel quite as crushing because you you have a plan, you know what to do. Your kids maybe know and they're excited about pizza days on the yeah. days <laughs> that mom can't get out of bed. I love this idea of giving credit and being aware of the variable levels of energy and motivation that you'll have. And what is your second takeaway? My second takeaway is write or talk it out. So writing down thoughts or even just speaking your thoughts aloud can really help you to sort through what are the lies that anxiety and depression are telling me and what is really real, what is really true. So start observing your thoughts and I find it helpful to write them down, but even just speaking them aloud to yourself when you're taking a shower, you don't have to involve anyone else if you don't feel comfortable, but write down a reality or truth that seems to be playing in your mind and then look at them objectively. Is there evidence for this? So for example, if one of the thoughts that keeps coming to mind is nobody cares about me, 
really look at it. It might spark ideas or evidence like, well, my child smiled at me and gave me a good morning hug. They care about me. Or a friend texted me a couple weeks ago and asked about me. That's still valid, even though it's been a little time. People do care about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like we really already touched on this in the first takeaway with the power of writing down the evidence and yeah. refuting it. Everybody who's listened to this podcast for any length of time knows that I am an obsessive journaler, and I do find that it helps me to process so much. It's not about recording your life. It's about processing your emotions, and something I'll do sometimes is I'll even write like a letter to myself where I'll start off kind of like dumping all of my lies that are in my head, all the negative chatter, the negative self-talk, and then I'll write a letter back to myself and say, Mm -hmm. like, kind of as this wise, like, mother figure to myself or God or whoever it is just saying, you are doing so much better than you think. Of course you're feeling this or that right now. Of course you're feeling overwhelmed for these reasons. It's valid and you're good. And just that writing process really helps me to get through it. Yeah. I love that phrase, of course, because it can help to de-escalate feelings so that you can actually process them. Mm. So when you come to a reality that is real, it's not depression or anxiety Mm. telling you a lie, examine how you feel about it and allow yourself to feel the feelings that come but also comfort yourself by saying, of course, of course, I'm feeling sad. This is a huge trial. Of course, Mm. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I need to get help and I don't know where to start. So I love that, of course. Yeah. The best listeners, the best friends are the ones who say, of course, you feel that way, Yeah, you know, and just validate you first and say, look at everything you're going through, of course. And then they can offer some maybe some ideas or suggestions. But the first thing is just that empathy, that validation, that connection. And you can give that to yourself. And it goes back to that giving yourself credit, even like giving yourself credit for the hard things you're carrying and saying, of course, this is really hard. And it's okay to feel this way. I think what you touched on there is really important that some of it is lies, but some of it is real. Some of like, Some of the negative things we think about ourselves or about our life may be real. Do you have an example of that and how you can kind of accept that it's real, but also reframe it in a way that's more positive and more helpful? Yeah. So just the fact that I have depression or anxiety or whatever illness you have, that's true. It's not a lie. And Mm -hmm. it's also not your fault. Just like anyone who has diabetes or cancer or any physical health issue isn't to blame for those issues, I don't need to feel shame about this reality that I have this problem. Mm. Uh, Allow yourself to grieve over a life that you thought you were going to have, but maybe that's not possible anymore because you need to put forth so much effort in helping your mental health. So Mm. that's another reality. My life isn't the way that I want it to be, a big part because of mental illness. So feel disappointed that you have this challenge. And then after you allow yourself to feel those feelings, then you can start thinking about ways that you can still live, you can still flourish in life, even while you're dealing with this challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one is I have so many blessings, and I feel miserable anyway. I mentioned gratitude lists earlier, and they can be helpful, but sometimes they're not helpful to me because I start listing them. and I'm like, I have so many blessings, and I still 
don't feel happy. What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. So recognize that that's a symptom of depression. And it's okay not to feel gratitude all the time. Release yourself from guilt. And just be okay that you are here. That's enough for today. You can be grateful tomorrow or another yeah. day. And I think it's so important to be able to hold two truths that seem contradictory at the same time. Like, I can be grateful and really sad. Yeah. Those things aren't mutually exclusive. I can be grateful for all of my blessings and wish that I didn't have depression. Definitely. So being able to hold that tension and even to write it out and say, I'm both. I have both within me and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Another reality is so many times when you are in a low part of depression, it's just so hard to feel close to a higher power. No Mm. matter if you're doing everything you feel is necessary to feel that connection, sometimes it's just not there. And Mm. that's that's not your fault. It's a part of depression. It really really hard part of depression because you want that help and strength and you just don't feel it. So it's not your fault. It's frustrating and unfair, but it's it's just the way it is sometimes. Mm. I'm so glad that you are talking about this because I think it's something we don't talk about often enough. And it's like in the time when you need God the most, you can't feel him. That is so painful. And so I also painful. think that some medications can numb feelings and emotions and the feelings of the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes the medicines are needed and you have to take them in order to stay alive, but they may numb your feelings and your joy and your connection. And that's not your fault. And it just kind of is what it is. And I think recognizing that, just acknowledging, okay, this may be a symptom of my illness or of my medication for my illness, and that's okay. And just Mm -hmm. hanging on to whatever faith or joy or hope that you had is important to not sort of discount those things because you have a new reality now. Yeah. Reading my journals of times when I have felt close to God or when I have seen light or the Holy Ghost in my life helping me has helped me remember it is still real and it can still be there for me. And also just looking at other people and hearing their expressions of faith or belief that also helps me Mm. at the same time recognizing it's okay that I don't feel this right now I can lean into the strength of others yeah another reality I think that it's important to embrace is that there is no such thing as a perfect life and that your life won't look like others as you deal with mental illness and work through the challenges that give you look for ways to adapt whatever you're doing at the time with whatever challenge is there When I was first trying to dig myself out of anxiety and depression, mornings were the hardest part for me. So we really had to adjust the way we did our mornings. My husband started doing a lot more. He would take my daughter to school. He would do the lunches. And I needed a few more minutes to just stay in bed, to gather myself, to put forth the effort, to just get out of bed. That was a really hard time. But there were also a lot of hidden blessings in that. Um, My kids became closer to my husband. My husband learned how to step in. And my kids learned more about kindness and compassion and forgiveness and working together to do things, even if it's not the way it's always been done. We can change. We can adapt to help Mm. different people in our family. Yeah. And what strikes me from that example is that if you had a physical illness like cancer, 
you wouldn't think twice about letting your husband step in to do the morning routine with the kids if you were going through cancer treatments. Nobody would think any less of you for doing that. You wouldn't think less of yourself. Your husband wouldn't feel like he was doing more than his fair share because everybody would be able to see the physical and they'd understand the physical illness. And yet with a mental illness, sometimes we add so much guilt and shame on ourselves that we wouldn't if it was a physical illness. And as well as I think having this conversation with the people in our life, when I went through a really hard time several years ago and mornings were really difficult for me, I could sense that my husband was a little bit frustrated by it, which is understandable. Mm -hmm. So we had to sit down and I said to him, look, I have an illness I'm struggling with right now. And I said this exact same thing. I said, if I had cancer and you had to do the kids in the morning, would you resent that? And he said, no. And I said, this is similar. And he's like, I have never thought of it that way. And so it just opened the communication between us. It removed the resentment. I also think that a lot of the resentment was in my head. I felt guilty. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, he thinks that I'm lazy or he resents me. And a lot of it was just made up, but it helped to have the conversation and to get on the same page and to say, okay, we're both working for my healing. And that means that we may have to adjust some roles and some things while I'm getting better. So communication can be really helpful with the people in our life, the key players that make our life work if we're going through a hard time like this. Yeah, I had that same experience where I felt guilty. So I projected feelings on my husband that he wasn't even experiencing. He was doing just fine, (laughs) but I thought I should be the one doing this and it just compounded it. So yes, communication is a big part of it. Yes. And what is your third takeaway? My third takeaway is embrace trial and error and give yourself grace. Mental illness is different for everybody, and there's lots of different ways you can go to for help. And it takes a lot of trial and error to figure out what works for your brain and what helps your brain change and improve. That can all be really overwhelming, and it's totally normal to not know where to start. I love the episodes that you did with your sister, Sarah. I think there are episodes 107 and 108 mm-hmm. where you talk about depression and what to do, how to start getting help. So just choose one thing. It could be simple. Tell a friend or a family member or talk to your physician. Ask for help in finding a therapist. Just start doing one thing and then know that it's going to take a lot of trial and error as you take every step. And remember to give yourself credit for every step you take. Yeah, It doesn't seem totally productive. It's not really what you want to be spending your time on, but these things are so important and they take a lot of effort. So give yourself credit for whatever you do. Yeah. And what are some of the things within the mental health journey that you may have to do a little trial and error to figure out for yourself? Yeah, so it can take trial and error to find a good therapist. Mm -hmm. It's normal to go to several different ones before you find one that you really click with. The first therapist that I went to was really awful. She was abrasive and she placed blame on me for having postpartum depression. And it was just a horrible situation. And I almost stopped going to therapy altogether because I'm like, well, if this is what therapy's like, well, it's not going to help. And then that left me feeling really hopeless. Like if this really important piece of getting help isn't going to work, then what's going to work. But I went to a few more 
The next therapist I tried was a little bit better, and I think I tried one or two more before I found one that I just felt really comfortable with, that I felt understood what I was going through and was on my side. Mm -hmm. So just allow yourself to try several different therapists, and that can be overwhelming, but it's so worth it to find one that you feel really comfortable with. Yeah. And even some therapists, I think, work for different times in your life and different times in your healing. My first therapist I ever went to, I had a similar experience. It did not click. I wasn't benefiting. I just left feeling hopeless and I gave it a few times. So that's another thing. Maybe give it a couple tries with the therapist because it's going to feel awkward with pretty much anyone the first few times. That's a good point. But after a few times, I just still wasn't feeling it. And so I just thought therapy is not for me. I stopped going to therapy altogether for probably five or more years, even though Mm -hmm. I desperately needed it. But then when I got in another really low place, I tried another therapist who was just what I needed at that time. She was soft and affirming and earthy and made me feel Mm -hmm. so loved. And it was fabulous. And then I moved. And so I started with another therapist and she was much more tough love and a bit more abrasive, but it was just what I needed at that point in my healing. And I often had the thought if I would have gone to her first, I would have crumbled under kind of the, I don't know how to say it, but like the, the accountability that she wanted from me, Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't have been ready for that yet, but later in my journey, I was. And then I have since seen a third, I have three therapists that I've seen over the last 10 years that have all been really different but have all been really integral to my healing. And I haven't gone to therapy consistently all those years. It's just been, you know, I'll go for a time until I'm doing better. And then if I need to go back, I will. And I see a therapist now just twice a month. It's more like kind of maintenance for me Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. I often think like, I think I'm ready to stop. But then when I have those appointments, I get so much out of them that I know I need to continue doing that maintenance. But it's even trial and error between how often you go to therapy and different things like that as you're going through this. Yeah, I've done the same thing. There was a time when I needed to go to therapy once or twice a week. Now I do it once every few weeks. Yeah. So that changes throughout your journey. Yes. And then what else are some of the things you have to try out? So medications, sometimes it's the right choice to take them and sometimes it's not. There are a lot of different medications and I think that's one of the biggest blessings of living in this time is that there are so many good medications that can help you. With each medication, it takes time to adjust to them and to figure out if it really is a good fit for you. So that takes a lot of trial and error and a lot of patience. I rely more on herbal supplements because so many medications I've tried have had such horrible side effects that have compounded the whole issue. But there are times when I want to try medications again. So sometimes it'll be okay for one part of your journey and other times you won't need them. Yeah. So just allow yourself to have the different changes as you go throughout your journey. Yeah. And I take an antidepressant. It's more anxiety for me, but it works for both. And I'm really lucky that the first one that I took worked because a lot of people don't have that experience and they have Mm -hmm. to try a few. But I did notice when I first started taking Zoloft, which is what I take, that I felt kind of emotionally blank for a couple weeks and I worried that would last. But as my body adjusted, that went away and I felt more myself. I felt like okay, now I still have highs and lows, but my lows aren't so deep and dark. 
And so medication has been a huge blessing for me. My sister who struggles has had to try a whole wide variety of medications over the years and has finally found a combination that really helps her. So be willing to try some out and to see and to work with your doctors. And it can be a lifeline if you're really struggling with depression. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be scared of trying them. It's when you're first starting out, pick one thing and try it, but Mm -hmm. also allow yourself to keep trying things Mm -hmm. because one thing might work better at one time of your life than at another time of your life. Yeah. Another thing that takes trial and error and a lot of grace is talking with friends and family. Some people, it's really helpful to talk to about what you're going through and they'll give you support and love, but other people, they just don't have any context. They haven't experienced it or they just don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. So they might not be helpful to talk to. Mm -hmm. So still maintain relationships with those people if you can in other ways that you have connections, but realize that some people aren't, they're just not going to get it and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Keep reaching out for people, keep looking for people. They are there. And there are people who can give you the support and love that you need. Yeah. I thought this was such a unique point within your takeaways. I had never thought of it that way, but it is true kind of trial and error with the people in your life that are going to support you the best and to figure out, okay, this is a person I can turn to when I'm in a low and they'll be there for me. And it takes some time to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And another thing to give yourself grace with is to realize that mental illness changes over time as your body changes, your circumstances change. All of that affects brain chemistry. And what works one day or month or year is awesome. But if it stops working, it's not your fault. Mm. And actually expect it to stop working at some Mm. point. Radically embrace that life is going to change. And what you're doing to cope right now is not always going to be there. And that fills me with a lot of anxiety. Me too. I'm yeah. here like cringing. It's like I was talking about earlier, like that right. dread of, oh, I don't want the other shoe to drop. You know, right. I don't want to go back to that dark place that I was in. Right. Because you're in a good place and you feel like you're able to coast a little bit. It's not so hard. But realize that nobody's able to coast in their life. And if you radically embrace that fact that it is going to change, then you can stop feeling anxiety like, oh, what am I going to do if it does change? And then you free up space to allow yourself to actually deal with the change when it does come. Mm, yeah, not easy. No, but, no, it's but not. Important. <laughs> yeah. One quick example I have with this is running was a huge way of dealing with my mental illness until I was in a big car accident and I've had several injuries since then. And I just can't run anymore, which was so hard. It is still hard. Yeah. So I had to really break down like what benefits did I get from running? So there are three things being in nature, those exercise endorphins and the time alone. And then I was able to find ways to fulfill the ways that I was able to cope with other activities. So Mm. just accept that what you're doing right now isn't always going to help you, but you'll be able to change. You'll be able to adapt. You'll be able to deal with it when it comes. Yes. Well, thank you, Jenny. This has been so very hopeful and helpful for the moms listening. I know every one of them has taken away something that they can put in their toolbox now as a result of you having the courage to reach out to me and to share your story 
And we talked a little bit before we started recording about how you're like, I don't have like a website to send anyone to or a book, which is great because I want to hear from moms that are in it, that are in daily life as moms. They don't have this other you know, platform, but they just want to share what they're learning. And you were so gracious to offer your email. I'm going to put your email in the show notes mm-hmm. for anybody who wants to reach out and needs some support from Jenny. And is there anything else that you want to add before we end? I just want to tell anybody out there who's really struggling right now that it won't always be this way. Hold on to hope. If you need to borrow hope, borrow mine. It will get better. You can do it. You are enough right now and you're capable of fighting these really hard battles and it won't always feel this way. And that's coming from somebody who recently experienced really dark times. So Mm. give yourself permission to hang on to hope of others and hang on to mine. You can do it. You are enough. Thank you so much, Jenny. This has been such a beautiful conversation and we just really appreciate your time. Thank you. Didn't Jenny's insights truly feel like a gift? Happy birthday to me. (laughs) I'm so grateful to her for sharing her hard-earned wisdom with us. And she even went one step further and created a couple of PDF downloads that you can print and refer to if you find yourself in a low place of depression. She has a handout of mantras that have been helpful for her, as well as self-care activities that you can try even if you really don't feel like it. That PDF will be linked in the show notes as an additional resource. And here is a recap of Jenny's three takeaways for living well with depression. First, give yourself credit for the little things you accomplish each day, for the extra load you carry in your backpack, and for every step you take towards getting help. Make a to-da list and remember that even the smallest things count. And make a plan for what you will do to manage your family on your lowest days. You are doing so much better than you think. Keep it up. Second, write or talk it out. Mental illness can fill your brain with lies about your worth, so write out your thoughts to see if there's actual evidence to disprove them. Get them out of your head and onto paper and start processing them. Some of the thoughts may be lies, some of them may be realities. Once you confront them on paper, you can start to refute them, accept them, and reframe them. Third, embrace trial and error, because there is a lot of it in a mental wellness journey. You may have to try more than one therapist, more than one course of treatment or medication, more than one friend to talk to about it until you find the right fit. It can be so discouraging to have to continue putting in the effort over and over again to find the support you need, but hang in there and keep going. You are worth it. My friend, today on my 37th birthday, I am grateful for you and for everyone who has supported my work with 3 and 30. It is a true joy to do this work, and I hope that you can feel for me that I am truly rooting for you, and I hope you have an amazing week with your family.